Hello Gen Xers, welcome back to the water cooler. You know, I was getting really thirsty and I was hoping that you would be here. There's quite a bit to uh, d to discuss over the, the past week. Have you noticed the, everything that's going on in Georgia, or at least being referenced in Georgia? Boy, the, the political left is just in full meltdown mode, which t to me always tends to be a, a sign that that people are on the right track when there's an, a vast overreaction by those in the political left. But they're in full melt meltdown mode over the recently signed Georgia voting law. And without looking into too many of the particulars, it seems like, from what I understand, that there was quite a bit of back and forth and some negotiating that went on, which we tend to not see much anymore, certainly not on a national scale. But from what I understand, they have gone to requiring some kind of verification as far as um, registration goes um, with a, a photo ID, um, some expansions on mail-in voting and absentee voting and a number of other things. And a lot, to be honest, that, that I'm certainly not in favor for. I think we need to go to one single election day um, outside of absentees, not mail-in, absentees now. And people need to vote in person. They need to prove who they are, have have a, some kind of you know, photo ID. I mean, we need photo IDs to do you know, darn near anything. Um, so a lot of what's being discussed certainly is is below the standard that I would would uh, would go for, but certainly seems to be a step in the right direction, and hopefully to avoid any any fraud. Now, the fact that there is a huge meltdown on the part of the left and the media and in woke circles, it just makes me confused and wonder, you know, what their angle is. Um, but what, why is there this huge overreaction uh, to this thing? Because initially the, the narrative came out was that they, you know, people wouldn't be allowed to be handed out water while they're in line for voting, which I thought was one of the most bizarre narratives that, you know, to initially be in, in response to this thing. Because I think what the, what the, the spirit of this is that, you know, you can't try to sway anyone's vote with any kind of gift, even, you know, something as small as, you know, water while you're standing in line, you know, to vote. Yeah. And how that came that, you know, people can't have water while they're in line, I don't know. Uh, I believe people are free to bring their own freaking water. Why, why Why is this something that was was latched onto? I don't know. It was bizarre. But the the debate seems to be centering around the notion of IDs. And I, I genuinely, I need someone to take a step back here and explain to me, like they would a five-year-old, why voting with an ID is a racist thing. I just can't wrap my mind around it. Explain it to me. I'll listen. I'm willing to listen. But I've certainly not heard anybody try to articulate anything. I've just heard complaints that it's racist. I've heard concerns that it's something that's unnecessary and shouldn't be tolerated. And I've heard that it's racist. I just don't understand. And I've, no one's been able to articulate to me, so I can understand 
why it is racist, why it's so objectionable. You need a photo ID to travel. In fact, they even up the ante that if you need to travel even domestically, you need a real ID. You know, the cute little gold star on your driver's license if, if you are traveling domestically without a passport. That you need to have a, a photo ID that's even taken up a notch. So, why is an ID to vote racist? I, I can't, the only thing that I can rationalize in all of this is that it's you know, people who are saying that are just racist themselves. I mean, I mean, think about the level of of patronization and condescension that goes into that notion. I mean, are, are minorities incapable of having an ID? Do minorities en masse not have IDs? Uh, as far as I'm aware, they do. I, I mean, and, and not just in any particular community, all across the board. So why is this notion of being able to prove who you are a racist thing? Now, the only thing that I can rationalize why there's such kickback is either A, people who are against presenting IDs to vote consider, again, this is where the condescension comes in. They think that those who would vote along their lines are lazy unsophisticated and just not capable of presenting an ID or they want to be able to commit fraud. I can't see any other reason for them to allege this. In fact, I mean, I was listening to sports talk radio earlier in the week and they were, were mentioning this. We'll get to where it intersects with baseball in a second, but they simply described it and without hesitation as this racist bill in Georgia that prevents blacks from voting. And it was accepted and moved on. And I just thought, well, wait a minute. How? (laughs) I mean, if, if this Georgia bill truly is aimed at preventing blacks from voting, I'm against that. I would think any rational person would be against that. So if it is, explain to me how. How is it designed to prevent blacks or any other minority from voting? Because I would not be in favor of that, but from what I've seen, that is certainly not the case with this bill, and it's been a just a gross distortion of what this is, which tells me that there's some ulterior motive. Now, of course, the administration has hitched their wagons to this and have you know put pressure on a number of of corporate entities to come out against that, and it's certainly worked. You saw you know big companies, you know, particularly those who are are either based out of Georgia or heavily heavily involved in Georgia, like Coke and Delta, you know, come out very strongly against this. And I can't, can't understand why. I mean, other than the fact, maybe they just don't want the perception of that, that they're in favor of this and tacitly racist. I just just trying to stave that off, but I just don't understand it. It's really, really bizarre. And to take the bizarreness up a factor with, no small amount of pressuring from the Biden administration, Major League Baseball, very quickly moved to pull the All-Star game out of Atlanta and ultimately dropped it in Denver. Now, it's really bizarre on a couple of couple of fronts. First things first, sports is... I, I'm a huge sports fan, 
And one of the things that I relish the most about it is the escape factor of sports. Because when you're watching sports and watching competition, you're not thinking about any of the nonsense. You're not thinking about the partisan divisions. You're just watching a game and you're enjoying it for its own sake. And now that baseball has decided to you know, join their counterparts in football and basketball into wading into this woke culture, is as a baseball fan, is really, really disappointing and really irritating. But knowing that this is coming from Commissioner Rob Manfred, who is not well-liked among baseball fans, who infamously referred to the Commissioner's Trophy, the World Series Trophy, in, in the wake of the Astros cheating scandal as a piece of metal, the dude is not well-liked. So then you know, we can take that for, for what it's worth. But they decided to pull it. I think that's problematic in, for a number of, of levels. Number one, not the least significant of which, is that the game being in Atlanta would have greatly benefited you know, the businesses within the city, a, a large portion of which are minority-owned. You know, being in Atlanta and you know, as a you know, percentage of, of businesses, minority-owned businesses in Atlanta are much higher per, you know, percentage that you would find in other cities, certainly much higher than in Denver. And the fact that that got pulled so quickly really hurts those folks. I mean, they're reeling as it is from this past year of all the the COVID nonsense and and the lockdown nonsense. And now they had that that rug pulled out from under them. It's just unconscionable. And then the fact that this was going to be played in Atlanta, uh, this comes in in the season, you know, following an offseason in which uh, Hank Aaron uh, passed away. You know, Hank Aaron, before a roided-up Barry Bonds came on, was the all-time home run king and was one of the, I think personally think, one of the more underrated, underappreciated uh, superstars in the history of the game. You know, just remarkable consistency he had, with not just the number of hits, but the number of home runs that he had over the course of his career. And I believe he never even had a season in which he hit over 50 or 50 or more home runs. But I mean, he was in the 40s year after year after year, and ultimately t- until he passed and broke Babe Ruth's all-time home run record, and, and he held that until you know, Barry Bonds decided to to get in the performance and enhancement business. Um, but he he passed away over the over the winter, and and the All Star Game would have been the perfect opportunity to honor Hank Aaron. Yeah, you know, I mean, he he broke the record. Uh, in Atlanta, and it would have been a, a great way to to pay tribute to to him as a player, him as a person, and, and to all his accomplishments. Um, having Atlanta being the host of that would have been perfect. But now that they moved it to Denver, you know the Rockies don't really have that. Had they moved it to Milwaukee, you know there could have been that tie-in because you know he spent quite a bit of time with the Milwaukee Braves. But being as it is now, you, I mean you lose that. So you know we as for, sports fans lose a lot from them pulling this and, and and to see them wade into the nonsense of, of woke political theater, theater is really, really, really disappointing. But that's, that's the culture that we have now. I mean, it, the, it, I don't know if it's fueled by social media, but I mean, everybody seems to want to trip over themselves to to, to seem woke and and to and and to, to seem inclusive, not necessarily that they actually are, but just to seem that way, or at least to not seem the opposite. 
Um, and it's, it's just strange. It, it, you know, they just trip over themselves. Um, even when, you know, there's some blatant hypocrisy in these you know, companies, uh, when they do that, you know, one of which Patagonia uh, came out uh, with some kind of, you know, something worded about voting rights and this, this and that, which, you know, considering their uh, history and, and use of extremely cheap labor in, in China kind of smacks in the face of, of, of their narrative. But, you know, round and round we go. You know, United Airlines uh, just came out very aggressively saying that going forward, it, they were targeting having 50% at least of their pilots trained being, you know, women or minorities, which is, I find just so bizarre because as, I mean, think about if you've flown or when you've flown, do you care what the pilot looks like? Are you even thinking about it? No, I would say 99% of people in those flights, not even a thought, not even a care. What you care about is that you get there safely. Now, if that means that they're just going to have to hire the best and most skilled pilots, that's fine with me. I mean, they could all be transgendered Pakistanis for all I care. I mean, if, if they're the best pilots, hire them. <laughs> that's who I want flying my plane. What I don't want is for them to just blindly exclude anybody who has any skill to try to check a box and fill a quota. That doesn't make me feel good. That certainly doesn't make me feel safe because now I'm thinking and wondering if <laughs> about the person flying the plane. Right now, I don't. And, and I would hope that they would just you know, be able to bring in the best. Now, if they see that there is a lack of opportunity amongst uh, you know, certain communities and if they can provide those opportunities to people who have that interest and provide them a career that they might not otherwise have, I'd be all on board for that. Sure, do that. Put your resources there. Put your efforts there. Totally understand it. Totally would be on board with that. But for them to blindly do that is just, it's bizarre to me and does not... Make me it makes me think the opposite of what they're they're trying to accomplish here. Because now I consider them that they are racist. Like they think that they need to dumb down their standards in order to hire minorities. That they need to dumb down their standards to hire women. And it's again, it, it's, it's so I see find that just so insulting and so patronizing. And if I were, were part of those segments, I would not take too kindly to being condescended to, um, in, in a, in a way like this, it's just, it's just gross. But again, that's what the way the media plays these things, you know, they, they really relish seeding that division. And, you know, during the, the weekend, of the, the final four, Charles Barkley put it very, very well. And, and it, it went, uh, his, his rant went viral pretty quick, but he, he said when I, I would think, just what everybody would be in full agreement with this, with unanimity, is that he said something along the lines of there are people in white communities that are, most of them are good people. The people in black communities, most of them are good people. But those who are in power, now he was particularly calling out politicians, but I think you could loop in the, the media with this as well. But they are incentivized to seed division and to seed hate and make people hate each other. Because I, I think most people 
from whatever demographic are good. I think most white people are good. Most black people are good. Most white people are not racist and hateful. Most black people are not racist and hateful. I don't think that's controversial. I don't think that's really stepping out on a limb too much. But I I agree 100% with, with Charles Barkley with what he said. But the you know there are many politicians who are where they are because they see seed you know plant those seeds of hatred and the same goes with the media you know they make their money by kind of stoking these controversies and stoking this hate and it's just gross and it it needs to stop it really does and I mean you you see them I mean, to the point now where they're just blatantly dishonest and blatantly lie you know i i refuse to watch the news anymore i mean cable or local that doesn't matter i I can't watch it at all i can't read a newspaper and it be made because there's just every story every headline is so it's littered with opinion and commentary that i just i I can't take it you know i mean it's really hard to just to weed through all the opinion all the spin and all the hate to, to actually get to actual fact it gets exhausting, and and I I just I, I I can't tolerate it. One perfect example over the weekend was 60 Minutes. You know they were doing this feature on on Governor DeSantis. Of course, is a he's a rising star within the Republicans for for good reason. He seems to be one of the few who actually has a, a little bit of a spine and and you know, stands for things I think most people would be in agreement with. And uh, he he he's become a, quickly a player within the you know, potential uh, 2024 presidential nominee nominee well he he was giving a press conference about the rollout of vaccines and and 60 minutes tried to spin this rollout with uh, Publix which is the you know a, a grocery store chain in Florida that there's some kind of pay for play nonsense going on and they edited very cleverly this exchange between the governor and one of the reporters on this and and she he was you know quickly shutting her down he wouldn't hear it and then you see the unedited version of his question and he went into very clear concise easily understandable explanations on why Publix was in that position that they were in, on how Walgreens and CVS were focusing on the home distribution to to seniors and and other other stores were were doing other things, other different communities. And Publix was one of the first ones to step up, and so they kind of got the first nod. And then he talked about how he was involving other pharmacies and distributions that would 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 come after that and would join on their effort. But they were first to and just ex- explained very succinctly and clearly. But they left all that out and and played it as though he was you know, it's some kind of scandal, some kind of pay for play nonsense. And they've like since tripled down on it and and defended their reporting, which is just absolutely unconscionable. But can that but that's the media now. I mean, the, the facts don't matter, truth doesn't matter. I mean, you you have to really work hard to get through all of the opinion in headlines and in articles and it's it's just gross and it results in so much hatred so much division exactly as charles barkley was saying and it's it's just it's just gross of course social media does not help at all although there's a little bit of a bright spot you know from the supreme court it seems and and there was a a a case involving you you know suing you know president trump from back when when he was blocking um, people that you know, he was not able to do so because they had their friends on their first rise and blah, 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 blah. Well, they, that 
and Clarence Thomas was hinting that you know, there's probably a little bit too much you know, power in uh, you know, that the social media companies are are wielding to to cut out opinions that that they don't like, and so maybe that could possibly be yeah, be something uh, that that we could see and, and build on po- in a positive way in the future. But we shall see. Uh, the one thing that I, I saw that really made me kind of giggle is you know, apparently Caitlyn Jenner is considering a run for California governor. Now, to be fair, I, I don't think Caitlyn Jenner or really any one person is going to fix California. California is in a mess because of Californians. So if they want to fix it, they're going to have to do it. They can't rely on one person, one governor to come in and, and fix stuff. But I digress. Apparently, Caitlin's considering a run for the governor and was meeting with some, you know, GOP higher ups to to explore the idea and blah blah blah. Well, just just this ripple of panic <laughs> that set in through Democrat operatives and in the media. Which I, wouldn't that just be a kick in the teeth to have this this first transgendered governor win in California to lead this state as big as California and to have it be a Republican. That would just be funny. That would just be great. Who knows if, if that's actually going to be a thing. But, I mean, hey, they've elected Arnold Schwarzenegger so, and, and Gavin Newsom. So, I mean, Caitlin's probably uh, significantly more astute than either of those clowns. But who knows? I just found, I just found that funny. Now, one thing that I do not find funny at all is the you know, the Derek Chauvin trial, which continues. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm, this one has me absolutely just terrified, particularly given what happened um, over the summer uh, last year. Um, there, you know, some witnesses have been they've been pleading the fifth. Um, he, apparently, his his friend who was with him and his other friend who was apparently his drug dealer, they've been pleading the fifth because. If they admit that they're with him to do a drug deal or that they're with him doing drugs, then if because of the way that Minnesota law works, if if you're caught dealing drugs to somebody and it was doing those drugs results in their death, which in this case, if if he's dealing this fentanyl to 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 Floyd and and that contributed to his death he could be you know brought up on third degree murder charges so to avoid that they've been pleading the fifth and then there was this exchange with one of the with with a police officer saying that from the video it looks like maybe he wasn't kneeling on the neck maybe he's kneeling on his shoulder and and that that's uh you know, that's you know common in their training and again now whether or not that justified that's not part of part of the the conversation here what i find very nerve-wracking and i was nervous about this from the get-go when they aggressively went for murder uh murder charges against chauvin um that they were again kind of out kicking their coverage that they were bringing up charges that could easily be refuted with the body cam footage and and a bunch of other you know evidence that they could bring forth and oh boy, and in and, and the media again, they seem to be really drumming it up that he's going to be found guilty. He's going to be found guilty. And so the a large expectation for people be that he's going to be found guilty. But when you look at it, it seems to me there's reasonable doubt all over the place based on the charges that they were bringing him up on. And oh my goodness, if they, you have these people who are just you know, demanding their pound of flesh and are assuming that, 
he's going to be found guilty, and he does not. Uh, Minneapolis is going to burn again, and it's just it's terrifying, it's unnecessary, it's gross, um, and, and at some point that that crap's got to stop. But um, that's that's where we are, um, and I. And, and, and again, just bracing, bracing for those rides. It, I mean, it feels so much like, like when your kids are are about to have a tantrum, and you just brace because you you know once you give them the bad news, they're in trouble or that they did this, this, and that, and that there's just gonna be, gonna be a, a battle. It 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 kind of feels like that. But again, this is something that's this is a story that's caught the the consciousness of the country ever since uh, George Floyd died about you know, almost a year ago now um and it's been it's been kept in the public eye ever since um but you know what has not been kept in the public eye is the you know the shootings in Colorado I mean it killed at least 20 people in that in that uh in that supermarket the shooter did not fit their favorite demographic have you heard about it lately have you heard anything about that shooting in Colorado in the past week? I I haven't. What about that Capitol policeman who was run down by a member of the Nation of Islam? Have you heard about that this week? No. And in fact, the AP today had something as they were you know, describing the the memorial of of this uh, of this officer. They described that that uh, he he died when a, a car ran through a barricade and hit him. A car. Didn't mention the dude's name, didn't mention any of the extenuating factors, didn't mention the things that he had been po- posting in online and what he believed. No, it's completely swept that aside and just said a car ran him down. It's absolutely gross. And there's also that you know, Muhammad Anwar, that that Pakistani immigrant who was was killed when those you know, two girls, the 13 and 15 year old, carjacked him in in D.C. last week. Well, apparently they very quickly reached a plea agreement with them where they essentially just be given probation and by the time they're adults, everything will be will just go away, just like that. His life didn't matter. But you don't hear about that stuff anymore, but you're sure hearing about Derek, the Derek Chauvin trial because that is going gonna, is gonna to sow hatred. These others, they don't follow that narrative and they are just completely ignored. But those those others, yeah, they... they the Derek Chauvin's of the world, they're paraded out there. You know, George Floyd's kept in the public conscious, Jacob Blake, because that sows the the narrative of hatred. And at some at some point, sometimes that crap's just got to stop. Now, lastly, uh, last week was opening day, and I went. You know, my team lost. They played terrible on opening day, but it was just refreshing to be back. It was refreshing to be in a ballpark. It was refreshing to sit in the sunshine and just watch a game and just get away from things for a bit. It felt good. You know, it was cold. It it was in the in the uh, low 40s when I was there, but it was so worth it. It was good to have it back. Now. Hopefully it doesn't get spoiled by Rob Manfred wading into woke, woke politics, but for a day, it, it was it was refreshing. Yeah, I mean, it could, and it could, it could just leave that cringe behind, you know, for a day. And I, and I also saw that you know the Texas Rangers, who were finally able to welcome fans into their new stadium for a regular season game, um, they had full attendance there, um, which I was 
you know, applaud them for, for doing that and for being bold. Um, and I saw that uh, apparently Anthony Fauci is just baffled by Texas and their dropping numbers. Ever since they opened things up 100% and they had a, a, an a arena of, you know, full of fans, you know, their, their virus numbers just continue to drop and it's just absolutely befuddling him, which only logically makes me think, well, well, doctor, maybe, just maybe... Everything that you've been saying for a year was bunk. Maybe, just maybe, you were wrong, right? Like Vinnie Barbarino, wrong. You were wrong. But good on Texas. Yeah, I hope those fans enjoyed it because I know I enjoyed uh, being there for opening day. And I went back to, you know, a couple of days later for game two, and I'm looking forward to doing it again uh, soon and, and being able to get away in some small margin from the nonsense. But when I do, we'll be back at the water cooler to talk about the games and, and, and talk more about life as a Gen Xer. So with that, I'm going to go back to my desk, get back to work. I'll see you next time we get water. Stick with Gen X.